Hello and welcome to Neo Kobe Pizza, the only gaming podcast that floats in soup. My name is Mark B, and joining me today is one half of the Writing on Games cast, possibly the better half, Mr. Nico Blakely. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Now that you've introduced me like that, I'm doing much better, too. Uh, I agree. I am the better half of the Writing on Games cast. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no. like, look, uh, my, my, my feeling is that, like, <laughs> Hamish is not going to fly across the ocean to bench me, so I'm probably safe. No, no. These were equally important, I'd say. But yes, I, I feel like that's that's definitely that's definitely accurate. It's it's the sort of thing that needs both of you in order to be the thing that it is. He's he's the brain. I'm the pinky. Would be an apt description. That's how I like to view it, at least. I feel like that's reasonable. Yeah. Can I also tell you it it, it takes an amount of effort that I'm not proud to admit to avoid calling you Nico Bellic. No, that's I get that all the time. I get that at Starbucks a lot. Actually, is Grand Theft Auto Four references up the wazoo? I'm used to it. Good. If you would have called me that, I wouldn't have even been mad. I'm surprised you got my last name right. Actually, that's incredible. That's it's, wow. I just guessed. Okay. Yeah, Blakely is like never what people go to. They go Blackly, bl- bl- Bleakly. So, kudos. Yeah. Um. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm 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 honestly glad that I managed to get it right because I'm always worried about. Name pronunciation. I just figured that your name looked pretty simple. Yeah. Because, like, I, for um, an earlier guest, uh, Mr. Guy Desmarais from episode three, I had to go and look because I was like, well, I, I know what this is spelled like, but shit, he's French Canadian. I have to double check. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I believe mine is Welsh. Welsh for blacksmith, as my mom told me, although she, she could be wrong. Although I've, I'll stick with blacksmith then. You can call me Nico Blacksmith if you want. <laughs> I mean, are you gonna make me a are you gonna make me a plate mail armor set? We'll talk. Oh, we'll talk. I mean, I've started smelting. If that's what you're asking. Have you actually started smelting? No, never smelted a okay. day in my life, sir. Um, okay, I just wanted to. I just wanted to check. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, but this is great. Um, I love. Re- real quick, before we get into anything, why this name? I, I mean, I'm not questioning why you picked such a great name for this podcast. Neo Kobe Pizza is just. It's a great reference. What was the thought process behind calling this Neo-Kobe Pizza? Basically, what it boils down to is Snatcher as a thing has been a part of my life ever since I played the original Sega CD version. So, like, I mean, all of my all of my friends that I've made locally were big, huge fans of it. It's a game that we've all talked about to death. It's a game that I've been a big fan of for years and years at this point. So it kind of felt like, you know what, this is this is something that needs to in some way be involved in my podcast. And the best way that I could figure out to do that was just Neo Kobe Pizza, the only gaming podcast that floats in soup. It's I love it's I'm envious of the name, to be honest. It's amazing. It's well, I appreciate that. It's 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 actually the one scene because I've I've never I I must admit, I never beat Snatcher, but it was a game I remember watching my dad play quite a bit, and um, he was a big Sega guy in general, and he got everything that hooked onto the Genesis. And I would watch him play Snatcher. I had no clue where the gameplay actually was in the game. I was just kind of fascinated by the voices and stuff like that. And yeah, the pizza scene always stuck out to me when he, his pizza doesn't come back up. It's no, oh my fucking pizza, <laughs> stupid pizza. I also, I also have to admit that. Around the time that I had been coming up with names for it, I was in the middle of either live streaming or preparing to live stream Police Knots, the English translation version of it, which had been translated by Slow Beef, who is generally notable for various Let's Plays and things of that nature. Yeah. And at the time, I had been going through the Police Knots Let's Play, and I had gone back to the Snatcher Let's Play, and I was... Trying to think of a name while I was reading through the Snatcher Let's Play again, and I was like, oh, hey, Neo Kobe Pizza. So, in a roundabout sort of way, thanks, Slow Beef. <laughs> Thank you, Slow Beef. Yeah, just, just for a lot of things in general, really, not just for that one thing. Just thanks, Slow Beef. But to go into <laughs> actual topical conversations here. Yes. This, this shit always falls apart eventually. <laughs> my, but my bad. That, wanna... is, that is my job on my my home podcast, and I took control. Oh no, it's of me. totally fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. It's it's just the podcast eventually falls apart at some point. This is the earliest it's fallen apart, but 
That's, I mean, that's totally fine by me. I'm a professional derailer, so uh, I'll try my best to rein it in. <laughs> I suppose it's better than being a professional delister. <laughs> True. But you had made mention about a, two weeks ago almost at this point on Twitter of the idea of wondering how many people like franchises not exclusively because they like them, but because they feel like they need to like them. Yes. And I kind of feel like that has a lot of different things revolving around it in terms of pathological appreciation of a franchise. Yes. It kind of came from just kind of observing the the Breath of the Wild kind of lash out at anyone who dares say anything shy of 10 out of 10, you know, gold standard game. And uh, seeing my, my, my co-host um, Hamish's uh, videos just get flooded with just... Like, he was saying good things about the game and these people just came out of nowhere and they feel the need to kind of attack the little things even if it's praise and these you have to wonder i was just wondering i guess these people like do they actually genuinely do this because they love zelda or do they do it because they feel the need to protect something that they've been told from day one is a perfect series that's everyone should everyone likes this you're crazy if you don't like it that's kind of where i was coming from i guess with that tweet it was late, also. <laughs> and... I feel like it's an interesting point to consider, though, especially in the past few weeks, not just revolving around the massive lash-out against people who say something about Zelda online. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's definitely, like, if we look at, you know, what happened, again, Hamish's video, the, the writing on games video that he made about it, I felt was a very complimentary piece, and just so many people coming after him and telling him, you know, that he's, like, basically a dick for saying bad things about Zelda, even though he mostly didn't. Yeah. Or for being effusive in his praise of Zelda, because that's apparently also a thing people get mad about now. Yeah, you can't be in the middle on this anymore, I guess. As far as Zelda's concerned, some stuff you can still be, but it seems right now it's really you're with them or against them, or, you know, whoever they are, these fanatics. They really... It's, they're really setting themselves apart from the average fan now. I don't know, was it always like this with Zelda fans? Like, not just Zelda fans, I guess all fans. Like, people usually get, do they usually get this death thready? I guess? It's, it's been happening a lot at the beginning of this year. It's been, you just hear about that so much more. Like, with the Mass Effect Andromeda stuff, too. Like, it, it might be a little bit smaller scale, but the, it's like a call to arms for some people over such minor offenses in my book i don't know no definitely and it's it's i feel like this now more than ever is probably an interesting topic to talk about because we've seen so much of it recently uh, to start off with the idea of have people always been like this no <laughs> no <laughs> i i really i really do not think that there was a point in the 80s or even in the 90s necessarily where we were seeing people get this shitty this constantly about game reviews, about opinions of games from people in the community. And it's honestly kind of weird because as somebody who grew up like with all of the console generations pretty much, yes, I'm old, fuck off. <laughs> this is not a thing that I was really used to seeing until social media became a thing. But I don't want to say like, oh, social media caused us to do all of this because I don't think that's entirely the case i just kind of wonder if we've sort of gotten to this point now where it's a lot easier for us to identify with the identity of the things that we purchase than it was even you know 10 years ago yeah that's social media is definitely a part of it i, I it's i guess it's like people approach social media in funny ways and i like everyone kind of comes at their like they like tweets, for example, they're all, they all kind of come off as a little bit hyperbolic, the way people react to things, if you know what I mean. Like, I do it myself. Like, I, you know, I I don't actually curse as much as I probably do on Twitter. You know, it's, it's, uh, so it's like, like maybe it's, did it start from a place of irony and then kind of just become real? Like people pretending to be this fanatical about something and then after a while they kind of half convince themselves? I mean, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility. We've we've definitely seen things where people are ironically assholes. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
4chan literally exists because people were ironically being assholes in a lot of respects. And eventually what sort of happens is that so much of the community ironically acts like assholes, and then the real assholes show up. Yeah. And you can camouflage right in at that point, I guess, and use irony as the excuse. Sure. And it's... I feel like the problem ultimately becomes that it's hard to tell the people who are just pretending to be pieces of shit from the people who actually are pieces of shit. And everybody's just going to kind of go along with everybody else. So you, you get that one person who actually is a legit piece of shit who makes the suggestion, hey, you know, let's do the horrible thing. And suddenly everybody's doing the horrible thing because it's like, well, whatever, we're doing it for the lulls without like somebody being in there saying, hey, this guy's a dick, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, very well said. Yeah. And it's, but I mean, like, because, again, it's it's so much of that kind of culture is sort of based around being a piece of shit. And, like, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to imply that that's the only thing that goes on in Chan culture, but it's definitely a big fucking part of it. Most prominent, most vocal, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's good and bad in most pockets of the internet, I'd say, but 4chan's bad is very forefront, I'd say. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's, I kind of feel like that is the place you have to start when you're you're talking about the idea of people getting so passionate about anything that they're willing to start behaving extremely badly. It's not just Chan culture in general, but it's the idea of people branching off into more and more segregated groups. Yeah. Like with forums. Yeah, there are many, many different forums. There have there were even more back in the day when that was one of the major methods we had to communicate. And that was, for us, kind of a way of segregating how we communicated with people. Yes. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, you would have to kind of just be friends with whoever was in your school, whoever was in your neighborhood, whatever. But the Internet changed that, you know? A lot. And forums, like, they gave you the ability to just be friends with people who liked the things that you liked. And you could get as granular with that as you wanted. So if you joined a forum that loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then you decided you wanted to make a forum that only loved the 80s cartoon version of the Ninja Turtles, and just invite, like, that subset of people in there, you could do that. Yeah. It's a good point. It's easy. And then... Over time, you just kind of dwell in those spaces and get convinced that that's the only way to think, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, like, we're, we're not necessarily in a position where you have to be challenged. Yeah. And, like, I mean, to be clear, I don't necessarily feel like we have to be in a position societally where you have to be around others who will challenge you on your beliefs or behaviors or whatever. Like, I don't really feel like anything good comes from being friends with somebody whose beliefs are so utterly different from your own that they're borderline toxic to you. Yeah, fair. Yeah, totally true. But I have plenty of friends that I've made locally who are very different from me in terms of political beliefs, in terms of the things that they like versus the things that I like and so on and so forth. And that's fine. And that's going to be a thing that's going to happen locally because you can't necessarily control who your friends are or who you had the opportunity to be friends with. Online, you can just surround yourself with unified voices. You can surround yourself with people who like the things that you like. And conversely, you're going to be surrounded by people who like the things that you like to the level that you do which I think kind of keeps that conversation in sort of an echo chamber. Yeah, totally. It's It creates that kind of... when they're, they're, They are just kind of inflating each other up in their... You know, they're just... When all there is is just praise for one thing, it's easy to convince yourself it's the greatest thing in the world. You know, like, I'm sure there's a Zelda forum where these guys are going and hype threads in general. Hype threads in general breed this kind of stuff. And, like, would you recommend these people get out and social like like branch out to other forums at least like because like it seems like a that 
at this, if you're that far in, it's almost too late for you, it seems like. I mean, I don't feel like that in and of itself is, you know, the beginning and the end of the situation or whatever. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot more to it than that. Like, that's a good place to start when we look at why this sort of thing is happening, but I feel like there's almost certainly going to be more to that conversation simply by virtue of the fact that there kind of has to be, you know? Yeah. And, like, we'll, we'll, we'll take it from this example. When you start off under the idea of, like, these people are all in a group together that's based around the thing, where, you know, everybody in it likes or loves the thing or whatever. Yeah. Okay. That that doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be an awful piece of shit about it. Like, one doesn't immediately follow from the other. Yeah. I feel like there's there's other directions that we kind of have to go along with before we get to that point. And we will get to that point, to be clear. That's that's going to be a thing that's just going to happen. But, like, you don't just get to that point immediately. The first thing to keep in mind, I think, is a lot of these communities are very insular. And, yeah, they, they very much encourage fans to love the things that they love kind of unconditionally. Like, we've heard the term fanboy or fangirl used to various degrees of irony. But it's it's not an unfair comparison here. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's fanboy has just be kind of become a bad word in my book. Honestly, in these last few months, like I don't even. I, I used to be one of those people who just ironically refer to themselves like you know Zelda fanboy and stuff. And now I realize I don't want to be associated with that. Like I'm loving Breath of the Wild, right? And like now I feel kind of weird saying like, oh, I I think the. I personally think the game is very good, just shy of perfect in my book, but I'm not going to... I feel weird saying that now, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's a big part of the problem, I think, comes down to the fact that we have so many different people jumping in to express a love for this game. And it's it's not just that people like the game, right? Yeah. There are lots of games that have this sort of cult of personality-esque response. Yeah, I feel like what kind of happens is we as gamers have sort of been encouraged to love the things that you love a lot. And I think that that's bred some unhealthy habits for games that don't deserve it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that that was the the way Final Fantasy was perceived, right? Up around until possibly, what, 13 is when then it kind of became cool to hate, and, like, it kind of went in the opposite direction. I feel like Final Fantasy VII was cool to hate before that, to a certain extent. Yeah. For for the longest time, that one was, like, the the cult, you know what I mean? The Those were where the kind of, the, the, the devout fans lived, I guess. That was, like, the, the most generic example at the time, I guess. Oh, sure. But, like, I don't, I don't know if people were necessarily encouraged to love that game beyond all reasonable sanity, I think you saw that a lot more in games that were underground. That either where the game either was underground because of lack of availability or lack of sales or whatever. Niche titles kind of inspire that sort of directed negative reaction or positive reaction from fans because you're kind of... The best way I can describe it is like you're kind of a gaming hipster in that regard, but it's it's less the case of, you know, oh, I like this game before it was cool or whatever, and more just the case of I like this thing that nobody else knows about. And culturally, gaming kind of encourages love of those sorts of things to an unreasonable degree. And we've seen it with the stuff that's considered to be a popular cause. For years, you could not read a video game magazine or go to a video game website and read an article without somebody talking about how great Beyond Good and Evil was. God, you're right. No, I remember that, actually. That was that was the the the, the underdog darling, I guess, of... The, I remember that all over my uh, Game Informers at the time, actually. Were always, yeah! They, they were always talking about Beyond Good and Evil. <laughs> yeah, like, like, every month, Game Informer, I... It, it, specifically Game Informer would talk about it. It was 
like I never had any particularly great opinion of the game, but it was always frustrating watching them just like, you know, fap, fap, fapping it to the idea of this game. And that I feel was the kind of thing that encouraged people to start harboring those beliefs for all games. You would get these games that were the underdog champions that were the games that we were encouraged to love because not very many people did and oh we want to get this game a second chance and oh we want more and more people to love this game and so on and so forth and then what happened was more and more people started to love those games and we started kind of applying the fact of oh well if it's okay to love beyond good and evil this much why can't i do the same thing for the other games that i love so you would get these hyper passionate responses for beyond good and evil or earthbound and then you would apply that to Final Fantasy or Zelda, and you suddenly started seeing like people who were getting unreasonably passionate about games that we all kind of agreed that we liked a long time ago. So it's definitely then that the nostalgia has to be a factor in this, right? Like, do you think, do you think there's any case of this kind of, uh, to put it bluntly, excessive fanboyism that comes without any nostalgia attached to it? It has to stem from some sort of nostalgic yearning, I guess. For older gamers, probably, but there are a lot of younger gamers who latch onto this, too. And I think I think older gamers are probably informed by nostalgia to a certain extent. But younger gamers are probably, like, seeing that sort of thing from those people and kind of adapting that sort of heavy, passionate love for the things that they consume without the nostalgia attached yeah like it's it's not filtered through that lens of nostalgia so much it's it's just it's just a a pure direct love for the thing and there's nothing wrong with that when tempered but it's people who are seeing those who have that heavy nostalgic love that kind of does not allow them to accept that other people don't love a thing or why other people don't love a thing or the flaws in the thing and they're they're kind of saying, oh, okay, I can do this too, and jumping into it without the nostalgic backing to it, which I think kind of makes it more inherent to their personality. Like, if nostalgia is, is motivating you to do a thing, eventually that will stop being an issue, and you will you will kind of just stop being nostalgic. Yeah, it's got a, it's definitely got like a limit to the nostalgic feeling does go away. Maybe that's when the kind of darker side of it comes, maybe? Like I, I can kind of... I feel like that's part of it, but it's it's. I feel like it's more people who are sort of picking up the idea of that kind of passionate love of a game without that nostalgia, because then it's, again, you're, you're kind of building up this strong love for a property without anything to filter it through, without anything to basically make it stop for lack of a better way of describing it so it's like it's the difference between somebody loving the modern transformers movies because they loved the, the transformers when they were a kid and somebody loving the modern transformers movies now somebody who loves the modern transformers movies because they loved transformers when they were a kid is eventually going to get to a point where they're just like oh well this isn't the way that I remember my childhood or, oh, I don't, like, you know, I don't need this specifically to, you know, keep my childhood going. Somebody who only loves the Transformers movies to that degree, like, doesn't, doesn't have as much of a, like, has a higher breaking point and is more likely to kind of be an ass about that, I think. Yeah. I don't know, it just makes me kind of bummed that people are like this, because it's, it shouldn't, it doesn't everyone, I don't know, it's... I come from, like, a background of, like, you know, like the, going to punk shows and stuff like that. And that, that I got kind of disillusioned with that because it felt like this was the group for people who didn't fit in anywhere else, right? And that's kind of how I felt about video games, too. And I noticed that, like, the punk scene got kind of clicky and it felt just like the crap I didn't like at high school, right? And so yeah. I've noticed that in recent years kind of happening with games and it's just kind of... I thought I thought this was the the scene that was kind of sacred and didn't didn't stoop to that level, I guess, of becoming tribal pockets of tribes everywhere, kind of doing battle over, at the end of the day, like, ego 
size. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I can definitely understand that. And it's, I feel like I mentioned this before when I was on, when I was discussing things with uh, Robert and company over on GVN Live, but I feel like a lot of it kind of has to come down to the point where video games became popular. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like a lot of people who probably would have never thought to play a video game even 10 years ago probably are now playing games, I guess is a safe assumption. Like, oh yeah, you know, they're ads everywhere for them now. I, ever since I moved to a big city, I didn't I didn't understand that video games were advertised so widely. Like I see stuff on buses now. I did not know that was a thing. Like I just didn't the last year Doom was advertised on a building. Like that's insane to me. I don't know. I just I am from a small town, but still that's I guess I just didn't realize until very recently how big games had gotten so fast. Yeah, I can definitely understand that culture shock of sorts. Because, like, again, when, when we were kids growing up, it's that was not a thing that happened. At all. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see ads for video games outside of stuff that was already catered to people who loved video games, more or less. Like, you know, it was, I saw only ads for games in Game Informer and... You had to like games enough to go get the Game Informer, so it almost seemed redundant, though, to get those ads. But, yeah. yeah. No, I, I definitely... I understand that part of it. Like, I feel like that's definitely something that I can remember, like, that I can see as being the case. But it... Like, when I was growing up, you very rarely had television advertisements for games, and it was, like, the big games, like Mario, Sonic, stuff like that. The Final Fantasy VIII advertisement was the first time I can distinctly recall seeing an ad for something that was so far outside of the wheelhouse of mainstream popularity that it, it kind of caused me to go, wait, am I really seeing this? I didn't even know that got ads on TV. That's, I mean, it makes sense following seven and what seven did, but yeah, like thinking about eight and th that's amazing. I never knew that. Yeah. And like, to be clear, the advertisement for that game was horribly unrepresentative of the experience. <laughs> like, they were like, oh yeah, your, your thumbs are going to be really sore. And it's like, no, <laughs> that's not even close to correct. And, what? like, they showed, yeah, they showed, like, the cutscenes from the game as representative of the footage from the game. Ah, uh, the old switcheroo. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was very strange, just in general, like, seeing it as a kid, like, no, this, what are we, what are we doing here? This is not correct. Yes, at all. You'll draw magic till your thumbs bleed, I guess. Which just... Yeah, just, I don't, okay. <laughs> but it's, video games have become a big business. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of money tied up in making that stay where it is, to be sure. I mean, like, you know, Call of Duty is carrying a company on its back. You know, that didn't just, that didn't just happen. That's been years and years in the making where we've got games that are doing, you know, 10 million units and that's expected. Yeah. But here's the thing. That extended popularity, that expanded popularity kind of sort of brings with it things that directly influence how people perceive and latch on to games. As video games become more and more mainstream, more and more popular, you get more and more people who are immediately going to latch on to the idea of, you know, it's okay for me to love this a lot. It's okay for this to be the major form of media that I intake. And to be clear, I'm not saying that, you know, video games aren't an alternative viable media in compared to something like television or movies or whatever. I play games and read books more often than I watch television or watch movies, and I don't think there's anything weird or wrong with that. Yeah. But... The problem is that you kind of get into this position where people who are likely to obsess about a thing are obsessing about this thing. And that's been a thing in general since the 80s when we started seeing people write self-insertion fan fiction and send it into, you know, like, like fan magazines and whatnot. It's just become more pronounced now that we have more and more ways to communicate with one another far more easily than we used to in the 80s. But video games have suddenly become like a mainstream thing. They're everywhere. More and more people are exposed to them, and more and more people are talking about them in communities online. So all of a sudden, you've got this thing that exploded in popularity 
to a level that all of the other mediums that we've mentioned didn't. And you just, you've got a massively exploded popularity for gaming, a giant community available for people to communicate about this, and the ability for them to segregate that down to as granular a level as they want. You're, you're going to be in a position where a whole bunch of people are super attached to this media and are talking to other people who are also super attached to this media and further circularly building up other people, like each other's love for it. Yeah, so they just have, like, people's first few weeks in the fandom already makes them a ravenous fan that, you know, some that's probably true for a lot of people these days. You're, you're expected to like certain things in this scene of ours. You know, it, it really is, like, you know, people are weird for not liking Mario still, you know, even though there's nothing wrong with not liking the most popular, you know, like, one of the most popular franchises out there. It's, everyone, eh, the majority must like it. Why, you know, how could they be wrong? How could the majority be wrong? I guess is the mindset most of us have fooled ourselves into in for, for all things, not just games, I guess, but maybe. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's so all of a sudden now you're this group of people who really, really, really loves this thing. And if you're somebody who is into a niche property, you probably just have that passionate love for that thing. And that's just kind of it, you know? But let me take this as an example and talk about when the thing that I loved that nobody else did suddenly became the thing that I loved that everybody did. Uh, the Shin Megami Tensei franchise. The first game in that franchise to come out in the U.S. market was Persona. And not a lot of people liked that game. I liked it for what it was, and I continued following along with it even though there weren't always reviews coming out, even though the games were released in exceedingly limited quantities, I followed along with that franchise for years through SMT3 Nocturne, through both of the Digital Devil Survivor game or Digital Devil Saga games, through Devil Summoner, the Raido Kuzunoha games. And then all of a sudden, Persona 3 comes out and becomes kind of notable. And then all of a sudden... Persona 4 comes out, comes out, and suddenly fucking Shin Megami Tensei is mainstream. Imagine that you are a person who unconditionally loves the SMT franchise. Which, to be fair, there are so many divisions within that damn franchise that I think that's one of the few that is hyperbolic fanboy proof. <laughs> because everybody in the fandom hates everybody else. <laughs> Do they? I've never been to hip to the, the SMT inner clans, I guess. But Oh, yeah, no. Like, people who love the Persona franchise are hated by people who don't love the Persona franchise. Oh, that's People mean. who love Persona 3 and 4 are hated by people who love Persona 1 and 2. People who love Persona 4 are hated by people who love Persona 3. It's There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of infighting in the group. Like, yeah. it's not... It's not the worst fandom in terms of, like, pure infighting. I still maintain that the Souls... Fandom is is far and away the worst for that sort of thing. That, that just turned that devolved into like bro stuff so hard that it it stopped being charmingly stupid. You know, like yeah, that that whole scene kind of got really bad. Like the it started in jest too with the Soul series, and then it just became like legitimate, just kind of just not nice. I guess it's unpleasant is a, be a better way to put it. It is it is very confrontational and more than a little toxic to be sure. Yeah. But it's, it's imagine for a moment, again, somebody who's in the SMT fandom or somebody who really loves From Software games. And all of a sudden, you've been a fan of this company for like a decade. You've loved all of their games. You've thought they're all amazing, even if nobody else did. All of a sudden, everybody fucking agrees with you now. And your mentality isn't that, oh, I used to like these when they were cool sort of thing, but... Holy shit, everybody loves the games that I love now. Imagine how much you would feel like you're suddenly right, and imagine how much, I guess, power you would derive from that. Like, how much joy you would derive from that. Never actually thought of it that way. That's a good, that's a good example. Yeah, I mean, we can, and we, can, we can see that in franchises where this did happen. Look at Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem was a franchise like a thousand people played, basically, for years. For years in the U.S. until Awakening. All of a sudden, Awakening is this million-plus selling game. And a lot of the community was like, 
ugh, you guys like this for the waifus, and, like, bounced out on it. But for the people who had been following along and unconditionally loving the franchise, they feel fucking great about this. Yeah. They're, they're like, hooray, everybody loves the game that I love now. This is awesome. And um, then take a look at what happens to those people when the next game is being announced and coming out. Oh no, Nintendo is cutting out the ability to pat your wife or a husbando on the head. Oh no, they're going to censor a couple of conversations. What should we do? Let's all attack the fucking PR person. Oh my god, I completely forgot about that whole incident. Yep. Whoa, yeah, that's right. Damn. God, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, after this shit makes me speechless. It's cause it really does like, actually bum me out, like... I just, it, it's really hard for me to, to imagine having that mindset. And like, I just, I don't know. Where does it, <laughs> what does it take to make these people not lash out like this, I guess? Is, it almost becomes like threatening in a way, like like they have a list of demands before a game has even been announced, you know? They have, they almost have games in their head that they've just designed and then they're just ready to kill as soon as they don't get their exact dream build or something like that. It's... I just I think I think a big part of it honestly has to be acknowledging the difference between people having different opinions yeah and people's opinions being correct. Like I find that it is completely reasonable for you as a person to say I will not pay money for you know I'm going to go off of a, an example that I I've, I've had a conversation about in the past 6 months. It's completely reasonable for you to say, I'm not going to pay money for Criminal Girls 2 because it was released to the U.S. in an edited form and I want the game to be unedited and I want to see, you know, like underage girls in more involved states of undress. Yeah, I mean... You, you have no you. idea what the fuck I'm talking no, no, about. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I actually have a copy of Criminal Girls that I can see from where I'm sitting right now. But okay. I'm familiar with the series. I just wanted to know how, how weird this got for you. No, no. Yeah, I get the whole age difference thing. That's never... Yeah, I get it. Yeah, okay. So, there are a lot of people who are very specifically upset about the idea that the characters... Like, that the stuff is censored. Which I don't agree with. I like the fact that weird shit like this is being released to the US. Even if it has to be censored because we don't get a lot of this just in general, and it's it's neat seeing weird, crazy things like this in the marketplace. And I think it, it kind of needs to be a universal thing that we as a gaming community need to kind of take a stand and say, you know what, it is completely reasonable for you to be upset that this game is not coming out the way that you want it to. It is not reasonable for you to go onto that company's social media and bitch, 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 because you're being a child and you're making gaming look shitty for it. You look like a fucking petulant whiner. Yeah, like whine away, but there's a way to whine um, in a classy way. Yeah, like there's there's always a polite way to get your point across and your worries across. And it's I guess it boils down to everyone kind of half you know it's you got pseudo anonymous accounts on all these social media things you can present as much as yourself or as little as yourself as you want so you don't really have to play by your normal moral rules in everyday life and i guess that gets to some people's heads and they just think they can lash out and be threatening or you know like like i i totally agree with you on the criminal girls thing like if if that's if that's why someone wouldn't buy that game you know i, I want it uncensored totally fair enough like but to react in a way that almost in implies that you would be willing to get violent or something. It's just, that's when it stops being cool. Beyond that, I also kind of feel like... I kind of feel like we have to start encouraging people into just better behaviors in general. We have to, for lack of a better way of describing it, encourage people around us to be better nerds. But how do you, how do, you do that? Like, how do you do that without people laughing at you? You know, like People like that always kind of get shoved aside. The, the guy wants everyone to... You know, to get along, I guess. Well, here's the thing. I don't think we need everybody to get along, necessarily. You know? Like, there's always going to be people who are just horrible assholes. Yeah. That's that's just going to be a part of life. I don't think that we need everybody to get along and appreciate one another and understand one another. 
I just think that a token effort needs to be made to, for lack of a better way of describing it, sit down and say, you are going to be held to X particular standard or whatever. And, like, if you can't play nice, then you can't play here. And, like, a big part of that is is always going to be a case where, you know, there's going to have to be an ability to tell people, no, you need to stop. And I think parts of our community are getting to that point. Like, game pundits, game journalists in general are getting to a point where they're like, no, you need to stop. And we're starting to see them kind of like, even if it's not for the reasons that we're discussing here, we're seeing them get to the point where they're kind of saying, you know, you can't be this way. You're not, this is not a reasonable way to be. But I feel like the fan base, like at least the people who get it, who understand, need to do that too. And to be fair, I'm seeing more than a few instances where that's, you know, that's happening. Like, I've mentioned him a few times before in other podcasts, but Hip Hop Gamer. Hip hop gamer. I don't. Yes, I'm not he is a he is an East Coast personality who is very loud, very boisterous about games. I've met him a couple of times doing Bandai Namco events. Uh, he carries around like a world title belt. You know, he's a nice guy in person. He legitimately is. I've I've interacted with him once. A friend of mine that I brought with me interacted with him once. He's a, generally a cool dude. He brings a fairly larger than average entourage, which is kind of a pain in the ass when you're trying to work around him, but otherwise, <laughs> nice guy in person. On the internet, he's the kind of person who, if you make, give a score to a game that he doesn't like, will call you out and be hyper shitty about it. And I didn't realize this until, like, about six months ago or so, and the only reason I realized that he was doing it was because I saw a lot of people, every time he did it, calling him out and telling him, dude, you're a fucking dick, you can't do this. And it's, I think we need more like that. Like, people sitting down and saying, you know, no hip-hop gamer, it is not okay for you to yell at a games journalist because they don't share the same opinion that you do. You know, no, it is not okay for you to punch up at somebody if the punching up that you're doing is over a disagreement in opinion on a video game. It's just silly. <laughs> like, it's just, they're more pressing things to, to get mad about, I guess. Well, I mean, even if we even if we go by the you know by the assumption of like like even if we take importance out of it, yeah. it's you are being rude to a person because your opinion differs from theirs, regardless of importance or anything associated with that nature. It's just you're you're being mean to somebody because you have a conflict of opinion and you have decided that your opinion is the correct one to hold. And it's, that's not fair to anyone involved in the conversation. And it's, I feel like we need more people who are willing to stand up and say, you know, no, this is not the correct way to behave. I don't think that you're going to get rid of people who are hyper-passionate about games. And to be honest, I don't know that that's something that we should be doing, but I think we need to educate people, you know, time and place. It's, it's good for you to love The Legend of Zelda as a franchise. It is. The Legend of Zelda is, whether I like it or not, a great franchise that has produced some truly great games that a lot of people love. And if you love that franchise and if you love the games in that franchise, good. You absolutely should. And if those bring joy to you, you know, more power to you. But it is not okay for you to attempt to bring down the website that is basically a man's livelihood because you don't like the opinion that he's expressing. Yeah. It is It is not okay to attack people who hold opinions different from you. It's, it's not okay to say, somebody has an opinion different from me. I need to be bad to them. I need to be mean to them. I need to be rude to them, whatever, just because they their opinion is different from mine. You know, we, we need to get to a point where we can encourage people that there is a difference between debating on the merits of a product and jumping in to defend a video game. If you want to defend your opinion on a product, if you want to defend, if you want to have a conversation about your opinions with a person who disagrees with you, go right ahead. You know, Mass Effect does not need you to defend it from other people. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, none of these, none of these companies, even like when it gets to that level, or any, none of these things need defending. Like it's, it's a form of media, you know. It's, it's, they're gonna always be there for the people they're, they're made for, and yeah, it's. I totally get it too, and I used to be one of these people. The, the fear, like when someone talks bad about something you have put hours and hours of your, like your time into, it's saying, it's almost saying, you know. I'm almost invalid for doing this. And it, and it makes so much sense, but at the same time, it's like, be, I think being able to detach yourself from that pro a product, like it's a product, is the biggest step. And then from there, you can also, yeah. And like you said, like calling that shit out combined with that would probably be the best way to cure this, I guess, if you want to call it that. If you want to yeah, no, absolutely. And it's the, th the thing that I think helped me out the most from not being that person and I've definitely been there before but I think the thing that helped me the most to not be that person was to play games that nobody else liked yeah. you know niche titles are often not well received by the general public and it, it's harder now because there are fewer companies producing them except maybe on Steam and independent developers kind of come and go to a certain extent so it's it's it can be it can be harder to find those 10 15 titles that you love that nobody else does especially again with steam because they have communities that pop up where you can be friends with those people and it kind of exacerbates the problem yeah you can just filter all that stuff nowadays so it's the the middle tier game has kind of vanished i guess to a point, yeah, and even if the middle tier game does still exist, you're, you're kind of in a position where you can very easily surround yourself with other people who love that game, so it's it doesn't feel like you're the only person who, who discovered something great, you know? Yeah. Like, when I was growing up, I discovered Armored Core because a friend had it, and I thought it was great. And, like, nobody else had I knew had played Armored Core, nobody else I knew cared about it, and that was special to me. And, you know, like, growing up with those games that nobody cared about and nobody liked helped to inform it so that when I got to a point where, you know, I, I started seeing people more and more readily in conflict with my opinions, it was like, okay, that, that happens. You know, I'm used to this. I thought, again, Operation Darkness was a good game. Other people did not. That's fine. And... I also kind of feel like not being in these sorts of communities, or at least not being dedicated to these sorts of communities, is a helpful thing because it allows you to make your own decisions. Because if you're surrounded by a bunch of people who are all your very good friends, who all love Mass Effect, let's say. If you play Mass Effect Andromeda and you don't like it, and everybody else in the, gr in the group that you're in does, what do you do? say, I didn't like this game, and then potentially piss off or lose all of your friends? Yeah. No, you're going to go along with this game and convince yourself that you fucking love it. Yeah, and then, I guess, do you think that's that, that that's a part of it for a lot of people is, a lot of these people may not even actually fully like the game, but they like the community it's brought them, and then they feel almost like an allegiance to that series? I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are following along. Like, the people who are ringleading a lot of this shit... Like, I can guarantee you, you know, the people who tried to bring down Sterling's website or the people who are, you know, uh, directly attacking, like, like front and center are probably people who legitimately believe that these scores or these reviews or whatever are bad and wrong and, and bad wrong or badong. <laughs> God damn it, Mark. <laughs> it's a good movie. What do you mean to tell you? I just, you just, you just sprung that one on me. <laughs> I haven't thought about that movie since I was like in third grade, Mark. We do what we can. <laughs> but it's, the bigger issue is there are going to be people who are going to be on that second or third line who are going to show up and are going to put in the work to make it like, you know, yes, I love this game or whatever, because it's easy. Or it's easier than, again, like, trying to find a whole new group of friends, or whatever. So, you are very much in the position where there there are 
I don't. I wouldn't be able to make an approximation of how many of these people there are, but there are definitely going to be people who are in the community who are bitching at minority viewpoints because for them it's easier to keep their friends and stick with the opinion everybody else has than it is to rock the boat and you know possibly end up losing friends out of it yeah it's like why you know why why burn the house down you just got furnished even if you don't like the color of the furnishing or something you know it's like they've got a cushy setup they might as well not risk it even though things aren't as perfect as they think it should be and yeah it's it's is it a form of laziness maybe like social laziness i don't know no i don't think it's social laziness so much as it is fear it's fear of confrontation in general or i don't even know if it's fear of confrontation but that's definitely a part of it it's People don't want their hobby to become too difficult for them to deal with. Yeah. Like, there was a piece that I read a few years ago detailing, basically, for lack of a better way of describing it, a famous within the Harry Potter fan fiction community troll. <laughs> that is that is a niche title. <laughs> A bit, yeah. Well, during during the period where LiveJournal was a thing that exists, like, a bunch of different Harry Potter fanfiction creators all got together and were friends on the LiveJournal. So they had their own community where they all shared their fanfictions and stuff like that. And there was a famous ficker, we will say, uh, called MS Scribe, or Miss Scribe, who was just a major fucking troll. She would constantly create sock puppets uh, to keep her created persona is the simplest way i can describe it popular amongst people who were popular in the community and then all of a sudden conversations came up because this is around the period where george w bush was a controversial figure in politics and people started talking politics and surprise what happened (laughs) a whole bunch of shit got fucking real of course (laughs) and a, a whole lot of people stopped being friends over it And to be clear, I can understand if you feel like your beliefs on something are dramatically different from another person's beliefs on something, that that maybe it's best that you not be friends. But a lot of people don't want to have that conversation at all. They, They don't want that degree of confrontation. They don't want that degree of real life intruding into their hobbies, intruding into the things that they love, and making their ability to enjoy their favorite media difficult and complicated. Now, what we're talking about is something that is infinitely less real-world important, but just as likely to fragment a friendship, or at least they are perceiving it as just as likely. Because it's very possible that you might be friendly enough with these people that if you express, you know what, I didn't really like this game that much, they might say, oh, why not? And it could be a conversation where you all better yourselves. But it is very possible that you may feel as though, you know what, if I say that I don't love this game, if I'm not as supportive of this game as they are, I might lose these friends. And I, I I think the best thing to do is to encourage people to maybe not get into these kind of isolated groups because we we kind of see what happens when you're you're in these insular isolated groups you get a few people who just straight up leave the fandom when shit gets real yeah and then everybody else just surrounds that particular thing and is like no it's perfect you know blah 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 and again we're, we're seeing that with real people you know not to fucking keep bringing this point up but felix um said some shit that was dumb pewdiepie yeah and a few people were like you know what no this isn't cool and they 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 just left the fandom but the rest of his fans are like no he doesn't have to apologize for anything and it's like you're 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 seeing people kind of like make that mass exodus instead of the group as a whole being critical about itself and about the situation 
just because it's the easiest thing to do. So you're, I guess, how do you get started down that road? Is it just by just being a good person? Like, how do you just go out of your way maybe to, to have intelligent talks? I, it's, I, I, I'm trying to think of like advice, I guess, to give to someone struggling with trying to not be one of these people or trying to start over a new life, let's say, this hypothetical person. Like, what is it just as easy as just kind of turning over a new I, leaf or is it? I feel like the first thing that's that's worth considering is the very real possibility that the thing that you like might not be as good as you think it is. If you're at this point where you feel like, you know what, maybe I didn't like this thing as much as I thought I did, or maybe I didn't like this thing as much as everybody else did, the easiest way for you to make yourself think critically about this, and this is the most important thing to do, is to think critically about this situation, is to say, the fact that there are negative reviews of this thing does not deprecate my enjoyment with this experience if you feel like it does you probably didn't enjoy this thing as much as you thought it did you thought you did excuse me and once you can get into the mindset of i can love this thing whether other people loved it or not i feel like that's going to make things easier for you in general that said, I would also, yeah, very strongly recommend finding people who have more critical conversations about games. And that can be anywhere, you know. That can be, you know, from like YouTube channels like Writing on Games or Errant Signal. That can be in communities where debate and discussion are more encouraged. I know a lot of people like to make it the butt of jokes, but NeoGAF isn't the worst place that you can go if you want to have more critical conversations about stuff it's it's true <laughs> i mean i got my own gripes with NeoGAF, but it that that is one of the more like willing to hear your side of the story forums i've ever been a part of in the grand scheme of the internet or at least my time with the internet yeah and i mean at the end of the day it's i feel like the best thing that you can do is just understand that you are not the only person yeah. out there in general, your opinion is not the only opinion that matters. Other people feel other ways about other games. Other people feel other ways about other franchises, other platforms, whatever. And that's okay. You can have spirited debate with people. You can say, I like this thing. Well, I don't like this thing. Okay, let's talk about it. If it comes to the point where you feel like you want to hurt a person in some way over them not feeling the same way you do about a property, that's the point where you need to step out and be like, this is this is not good. And I feel like that's a good thing to keep in mind in general. If you're at a point where you're like, I have to hurt this person because we disagree on some level, that's a point where maybe you as a human being just kind of need to stop and reevaluate your life and your priorities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... A eloquently put i would just say like get help if 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 that's where it's going like if if your debates lead mostly into you getting physical over stuff like this or wanting to get physical like i don't know just really calm down it's few things are worth getting that uppity about in my in my book no i agree definitely and i feel like that's probably about as good of a place as any to wrap it up just because I feel like we've come to a point where we have established as much as we are going to establish. Yeah. But I do want to say thank you again, Nico, for joining me on the show. I do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. This was great. Well, I'm glad that you heard that. I'm glad that you feel that way. And you're welcome to come back anytime. Yeah, and same goes to you. We had a blast having you on the show uh, two shows ago, right? Two, three, two. Yeah. Yeah, two. This Tomorrow, like... When based on our recording schedule at this point tomorrow will be three. That's right. You guys will be recording tomorrow, yeah. That's right. Yeah, but dude, anytime and thank you again. I don't know. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. But if you like what you heard today, feel free to like, subscribe, and comment. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, 
pretty much anywhere where podcasts are hosted. Uh, you can also check out the podcast on YouTube for those who prefer to watch it on videos for some reason. <laughs> if you want to follow along with me, you can follow me over on Twitter at Mark B. Writing and on Facebook at Mark B. Writing Home. And Nico, where can they follow you at? Uh, you can find me on the Writing on Games cast on iTunes or same thing, wherever podcasts are hosted, we're there. Uh, we just started going on SoundCloud. Um, and you can get at me at Twitter at, at Nico Blakely. That's N-I-C-O-B-L-E-A-C-K-L-E-Y. Alrighty. Well, that's it for this week. Join us next week. Our topic will be, from this day forward, you shall all refer to me as Betty. <laughs> God damn. The Kung Pao references. <laughs> On behalf of Nico, this is Mark B saying, stay safe out there, junkers. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> I wasn't even planning to do that particular one I was just like oh alright I see where we can go from here <laughs>